this Sunday in our series, Believing on Purpose, we turn to the Gospel of John, the third chapter, 14th through the 21st verses. And we think a little bit about what it means to believe on purpose, to really believe. Let's stand together so we can hear these words of Scripture together. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. And people loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light, so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. What does it really mean to believe? What does it mean to have faith in something or in someone? What does it mean to believe? When I was a little boy, there was a person who lived down the hill from us, down at the bottom of the hill. And I can remember very clearly that when we landed on the moon, I think that was 1969, everybody was so excited about that and amazed by that, except this person. And they didn't believe it happened. They believed that it was done in a studio, TV studio, trying to trick people. And you couldn't reason with this person because they believed it. But I also remember that any time the weather was weird or the garden didn't do well, it was always because we landed on the moon where we weren't supposed to be. They believed, but not all the time. When it fit, they believed something else. When I was in seminary, one of the jobs I had was working for a man who had had a dream to start a company of his own. And he had, as a very young person, right out of high school, had rented a location and opened a little 24-hour store. And in those early days, he was the only person that worked there. And he worked around the clock. He had a little cot that he kept behind the counter, and he would catch a minute's sleep in between customers throughout the night. But he believed in that dream. And over the years, that one place became two, and the two became three, and the three became four, and the four became five. And he was a person in my life that helped me understand what it means to believe on purpose he believed in something so much 
that it became the focus of his life. And by the sheer force of his will and his work ethic, he made what he believed in a reality. When I was a young pastor and sent to start a new church, I quickly learned that I needed to understand believing a little bit differently. I believed that that was my appointment, because that's what the bishop told me. And I believed that, yeah, they could use another church here. But that kind of belief was not going to be what God needed to create something new in that community. I needed to learn how to believe on purpose. And so every call I made, or every door I knocked on, or every thing I wrote, every ad I ran in the paper, every conversation I had with anybody became to mean one thing to me, and that was, how is God going to use this person? How is God going to use this situation to give birth to a new church? It was a time of growth for me to go from believing in a general sense to believing on purpose in a way that opened my life to what God wanted to do through me. My um, mama was a very devout woman, and she raised her children uh, very uh, religiously. We read the Bible, and we memorized the Bible, and she talked about the Bible all the time, in our home. And she always claimed this verse that says, when you raise a child up in a way they should go, when they are old they will not depart from it. Oh, one of her children departed from it. And they stayed departed from it for 30 years. And then they came back. And when they came back, they came back all in. They were a leader in the church and served God in outstanding and amazing ways to this day. But I can remember when we had that call, my mother got on the phone and she said, I knew they'd be back. I said, really, Mama, how'd you know? And she said, because every day for 30 years I prayed. And I believed what the Bible said. Talk about believing on purpose. That's believing on purpose. One of my favorite TV shows from my growing up years, and I have to admit from my years now, is The Andy Griffith Show. And one of my favorite uh, episodes in that series was Mr. McBeavy. Does anybody remember Mr. McBeavy? This guy who was putting power lines in, and little Opie met him out in the woods one day. And Opie was in this period of his life where he was exercising his imagination. He had an imaginary horse that he tied up by the kitchen door, and everybody played along. It was wonderful. But he started talking about Mr. McBeavy, and and he dressed funny, and he walked around in the top of the trees and all these things. And everything was fine until he came home with a gift from Mr. McBeavy. 
And they wondered where he got it. And so it becomes a big conflict between the sheriff and his son. And it comes down to this moment where he's going to punish his son. And you don't expect it to go here, but it ends up being about what it means to believe on purpose. Now I want to have a disclaimer. Andy smokes a cigarette in this scene from the Andy Griffith show. Uh, but it's a great scene, and so let's take a look at what he says about belief. Well, what's wrong with a boy making up an imaginary character? Well, what about the hatchet and the coin? Well, still, that's no re... Andy? No. I didn't spank him. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> Just not necessary. He learned his lesson. Good talking to is the best thing, making him stay in his room. <laughs> I didn't do that either. Well, what did you do? I told him I believed him. You told him you believed... But Andy, what he told you is impossible. Well, a whole lot of times I've asked him to believe things that to his mind must seem just as impossible. Oh, but Andy, this silver hat and the jingling and the smoke from the ears, what about all that? Oh, I don't know, Barn. I guess it's a time like this when you're asked to believe something that just don't seem possible. That's the moment that decides whether you got faith in somebody or not. Yeah, but how can you explain it all? I can't. But you do believe in Mr. McBeavy? No, no, no. I do believe in Opie. To really believe on purpose in something or someone means that we go all in, even when what we're asked to believe seems impossible. And as Andy says, we're asked to believe all kinds of things throughout our life that at the moment seem impossible. When it comes to our belief in God, who God is and what God is up to in the world, God invites us to be all in, to believe on a purpose. And what God invites us into is so good it sounds impossible. Because what God invites us into is a love that is so strong and so big that it saves the whole world. That God offers forgiveness and grace to all of us in Jesus Christ. It seems impossible that God could love us like that and forgive us like that and include us like that. But God asks us in. God asks us to be all in, that we make a choice about this love. We believe it or not. We see Jesus as the light or we don't. We embrace a God who sent the Son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the whole world might be saved or we don't. As much as our culture these days would tell us 
that if we don't like the truth, we can just find another truth to believe. We know that's not true. We can reject the truth, but we don't create the truth. Our text tells us the story of someone who faced that same kind of situation all the way back in the first century Palestine of Jesus. Our text is a part of the larger Nicodemus narrative. Nicodemus is a Pharisee, a leader, a prominent person, a powerful person, an educated person, and based on this story, a somewhat troubled person. He had obviously heard about Jesus. It seems clear to me from the story, Nicodemus had heard Jesus himself in person. He comes in the night, after dark, when the day is done. And he begins his conversation with Jesus with some wonderful flattery. Oh, we know that you are a teacher sent from God. No one could do all these miracles and signs and wonders if they weren't from God. And Jesus gets right to it. <laughs> You've seen signs and wonders and miracles. I can tell you, you can't even see the kingdom of God until you are born from above. Nicodemus, old pal, Jesus is saying, you can't understand what I'm talking about by looking through your preconceived, limited ideas of who God can be and what God can do. For you to see the kingdom of God, for you to experience the eternal life you seek, you have to start over. You have to start over to the extent that it's almost like being Born again. And the only way that happens, Nicodemus, is to believe on purpose in the fullness of God revealed in me. You see, Nicodemus is a very religious man, a very devout man. He believed in God. He believed that God will fulfill the promise of sending a Messiah. But he suffered from the same problems we suffer from. He thought he would get to decide what that would look like and who that would be and what God could do. Jesus is trying to tell Nicodemus that what Nicodemus needs is an act of God in his own life and in his own heart. Our text picks up with this wonderful reference Jesus makes to a story in the Exodus narrative. One of my favorites as a child, the story of the metal snake up on a pole. I lived in a place where snakes were everywhere. You never went a day in the summertime without seeing a snake. So I was fascinated by this story where the Hebrew people are wandering around in the wilderness and all of a sudden they're invaded by snakes. And they would get bit and they would die. And God says to Moses, fashion this snake and put it up on a pole and tell the people if they'll just look up, they don't have to die, they can live. Who wouldn't? 
As my daddy always said, son, there's some things you don't even need to pray about. Just do it. Jesus knew Nicodemus knew that story. And so he says, Nicodemus, that's the way it's going to be with me. I'm going to be lifted up on a pole called a cross. And when people look up at me, when people really see me, when people really see God in me, they don't have to die. They can live. Those verses of John 3.16 and 17 should never be taught separately. If I could change anything, it would be that we all memorize John 3.16. <laughs> but we don't learn 17. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent the Son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the whole world through Him might be saved. Jesus is telling Nicodemus, and Jesus is telling us, God has one objective in this universe, and that is the salvation of the world. Through the years, all preachers hear variations of this statement. I don't want to hear that religious stuff, preacher. How can you worship a God that would send someone to hell? And I always respond, I don't believe in a God like that. I believe in the God Jesus teaches. The God who gave the only Son so that the whole world could be saved. God made God's decision. We make our own about what we do with that love and with that gift. I believe in all my heart. I believe on purpose in a God that's saving the world through Jesus Christ. I believe it matters what decisions we make about such love. To believe on purpose means that we don't just acknowledge the story of the gospel or the story of Jesus. To believe on purpose means that we choose the light now. To believe on purpose means that we see the fullness of God when we look at the lifted up Jesus. To believe on purpose means that we realize the importance of the decisions we make day after day. To believe on purpose is to believe that the good news is true, even though it sounds impossible that God could love us like that. To believe on purpose is to embrace that wonderful thing that's too good to be true, that in Jesus Christ, we are loved and forgiven and saved. I don't know about you, 
But I can't imagine any other response to that but gratitude. A life lived in gratefulness for a God who loves us like that. When I was a little boy in the church I grew up in, we sang a hymn often. And it's taken from the verse, John 3.16. In the King James Version, it says, Whosoever believeth in him. And the name of the hymn was, Whosoever surely meaneth me. I am grateful that whosoever surely meaneth you and surely meaneth me. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.